This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. We talk about a heavenly father. And we talk about God as a heavenly father. But if you talk about God as a heavenly father, father has consequence and meaning in our life. Sometimes from a natural perspective, we weren't always brought up with fathers who were accessible to us and available to us and perhaps didn't perform the function of father that they needed to, but God is not like that. God is a loving father who wants to be intimately involved in every aspect of your life. The reason that he became your father is because you are his seed. The reason that your father is your father is because you are the product of his seed. You may have an adopted father, but you will always have a biological father. And it's so interesting that because when you start to explore it from a spiritual point of view, we begin to get some understanding as to who God is and how it is that he wants to operate with us and work with us as a loving father. As a loving father, he wants to be involved in our lives. And so... From the very beginning of time, the reason that man was created was so that God could love someone and someone had the freedom and the opportunity to decide whether they wanted to love God. That's why you have something called choice. You get to decide what it is you want to do. You can't say that I want you to love me, but you don't have an option. You love me because you choose to. So he built that into man. And so in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26... It's right at the beginning of creation, and, and God is about to, to create man, and he says, let us create man in our image after our likeness. I just, that's all I want to do out of that sentence. Let us create man in our image after our likeness. There are two important points there. Image and likeness. Image and likeness. God had a, an intention of who man was supposed to be. And when he started down that road, he looked at those two things. And I started exploring that in a little bit more detail because I think that those fundamentally become the objective of what God was trying to create. And so if that's the objective, it's like, well, how did he go about doing that? When God created us as a human being, we were created to fulfill image and likeness. How do those things begin to fit together? And when he began to work with us, what ended up happening was he said, fine, let's get the dust of the earth and we'll create a form. And he created a form for man and it became man's physical body. But the thing is, the physical body wasn't what made him in image and likeness. In order for him to be part of image and likeness, what God said is, my intention is that man live from my image So that he could reflect my likeness. Live from my image so that he could reflect my likeness. God is interested in your life. In every aspect of who you are. And I want to get into a little bit of technical stuff this morning. And I'm trying not to get too deep. Because it has consequence and meaning for how we live and how we relate to God. God is not somebody who is distant and away from us. But God has made every provision so that he can be accessible and an intimate part of our life. So he says, let us create man. And he says, I want you to live from my image so that you can represent my likeness. You can reflect my, my likeness. And to that end, what he did is he started to create in man a holding space for spirit. You were created as a temple. You, oh, 
man, this is an interesting morning. You were created as a temple. There is a holding space at the very core of your being that was designed to house God himself. The very spirit of God. You were created as a temple. You were created to be a habitation for the very life of God. It's where image was to come in. And so when God had created man of the dust of the earth, he picked him up and he breathed into him. What he breathed into him was spirit. What he did was he sat and said, there's no good having a temple without it being inhabited by presence. The whole purpose of temple is it's supposed to be inhabited by the divine. When he picked up man and he breathed into him, he breathed the very life of God. He breathed the spirit of God into man and God moved into the temple. God moved into the temple. All of a sudden, man found himself at a place where the life of God was on the inside of him. You were created as a living temple. And the moment you get born again, you are reintroduced to image. The Spirit of God comes in and takes up habitation in that space. And you move to a place where the divine is in part inside of who I am. But you don't live from your spirit. He created around spirit something called the soul. The soul is your heart. It is the very place, it is the womb of your being. And it was created so that you could conceive inside of your soul and you live from that place. Your soul is that thing which is designed to conceive life. And the life that is conceived on the inside of your soul begins to give definition to the way that you think. It gives understanding and perspective on your life. It informs the way that you feel about things. It moves you to a place where you make decisions not based on anything other than what's alive in your heart. Your heart becomes so important because you see once image which was the Holy Spirit had taken up residence on the inside of Adam. The job of the Holy Spirit was to take the things of God and to reveal them to Adam. Adam wasn't created and suddenly Adam was like, I know all things. What ended up happening was Adam lived out of relationship with God in the temple. And the Holy Spirit took the things of God and he revealed them to him. What he did was he took the nature of God and he imparted it into the soul of man, the womb of man, and man conceived. He didn't conceive an idea. He conceived a reality. God put on the inside of him a reality and a disposition to life. I'm going to give you an example in a minute. Just stick with me. He gave him a disposition to life. He burst on the inside of him a reality that came from his nature. It was important for Adam to spend time with the Holy Spirit, with that which had taken up residence, the image that had taken up residence in the temple. Because the Bible says, faith comes by hearing. What it's saying is, as Adam spent time with image, image spoke, 
And as image spoke, what he did was he uses words to reveal nature. Words that the Holy Spirit speaks or revelation knowledge is sperm. And the thing about it is, once you have divine sperm that he speaks to you into your womb, you are designed to conceive So what ends up happening is conception takes place and all of a sudden I end up with a disposition to life and circumstances and people and situations that is birthed of him. The reason that he's my father is because what is conceived of me and what I give birth to was to ultimately to come from him. It's not about me, it's about him. He's got a plan and a purpose for working in the temple, in who you are, and ultimately in your life. Let me speak to you a little bit about the reality that he's wanting to form on the inside of you. He doesn't want to give you an idea. He's not giving you a thought. As people, we always think about, give me a a thought about something. But thoughts are not as powerful as realities. Realities are so much more powerful Let me give you an idea. I'll give you an example. You might think that you're a bad person. I just, I I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel as though I'm worthy and I'm not sure that God really loves me. I'm aware of all the problems that I have, I'm aware of all of my faults, my inabilities. I'm aware of the things that I'm not able to do. And because of that, I feel bad about myself. And the funny thing about it is, you can read the Bible, and you can have people tell you what a wonderful person you are, and you can hear all kinds of good things about you, and you can sit and you can tell them, I can do this, and I can accomplish that, and I'm able to do this, and I have uh, this, that, and the next thing. But the funny thing about it is, at the end of all of that stuff, I still have something birthed on the inside of me that's alive on the inside of me that still says, I don't feel good. There is something much deeper than my thought which is alive on the inside of me. And that thing that's on the inside of me is something which was conceived and it's a reality that's been birthed. People have fears. Fear about tomorrow. Fear about the past. Fear about today. Fear of people. Fear of relationships. Fears of all kinds of things. And the funny thing about it is, people have fears of flying. And you can sit down with them and you can explain to them and you can give them the logic and you can give them their ideas and you can explain to them how much air travel is so much safer than traveling on the road. You can give them everything and they'll agree with everything that you say. But you know what? They're not going to get on the plane. Why? Because I hear what you're saying, but I've got something birthed on the inside of me. There is a reality that's birthed on the inside of me and that fear base is much stronger in my life than what my thinking is. What makes reality so powerful? The fact that they have life. They have life. What defines them is that they're living on the inside of me. The intention what the Holy Spirit was to do was to take the things of the nature of God and impart them to us. And as he is imparting them to us, what would happen is we would conceive of the Father. All things that are good. All things that are light, all things that are life, 
all things that are love. Everything good comes from him. And as we were to conceive those realities, it would give Adam a disposition to life where he felt he was able to go out and achieve and accomplish all that God had called him to do. That's what separates head faith from heart faith. You see, it's a concept called life. Head faith is I understand and I know what God is and I know what God wants and I know what God's design is and I know what the scripture says. I have all of those things that are living in here. It's all about my understanding. But there's no life. There's no reality that's been birthed on the inside of me. And unless I have that reality birthed on the inside of me, I don't have a divine confidence. I try and do things because I know that they're right. But I actually don't have the conviction in here that it's going to come through. Why? Because there's no life on the inside. Oh, jeez. Give me one sec. I don't have life on the... That doesn't help. I don't have life on the inside of me. And unless I have that life, it's very difficult for me to ever step into what God's plan and what God's purposes are for me. Because yes, I have him inside of me. But I don't have him in my soulish realm. I don't have that reality birthed inside of who I am. All of us have spent time, to some degree, where we separated from God where image was not resident in the temple. And the problem is, when we live in a space where image isn't resident, his image isn't resident in the temple, something else moved in. And you see, when something else moves in, that something else is going to use the same system. So what's going to end up happening is, it's going to begin to seed your life. And what ends up happening is my soul gets seeded by something which is not of him. And suddenly I find myself giving birth to dispositions that affect who I am and what I'm all about. And I'm taking on the likeness of the image that should never be in the temple. It's the reason that people do some of what they do. The reason that I am so jealous is because I've got something resident on the inside of me. There's no point trying to change your jealousy because your jealousy is nothing more than a fruit. It's the likeness of the image that's been born on the inside of you. Why are you so angry? You know why? Because something took root on the inside of who I am. And the reason that I'm angry is because it is the fruit, it is the likeness of the image that's been conceived on the inside of me. And it puts us in an interesting place. Because what ends up happening is we begin to realize our need for God. And we begin to recognize and, and, and look for relationship with Him. And when we do that, we come to a place where we sit and say, I, I need to get born again. Do you know what the born again experience is about? The born again experience is sitting saying, Let's expel all the rubbish from the temple. Let's clean it out. Because you know what? Image is coming back to take up residence in the temple. That's what the born again experience is. 
It's sitting saying, get rid of the cobwebs, get rid of all of that stuff, get all of the stuff that used that's moved into the temple that shouldn't be there. And so it makes it righteous. And once it's righteous, the spirit moves back in once again. And once again, I have God's life in the temple. The born again experience, once again, introduces image to the temple. The renewing of the mind begins to introduce God's nature once again back into my womb, back into my soulish realm. The thing about it is this. It's an inner work. It's something that has to take place on the inside of who we are. It's not something that's external to us. Because what you're dealing with is you're dealing with natures. Things that seed your soul are natures. Your thoughts can't change your nature. You can go for counseling, and counseling, I'm not taking away from it, it'll help you manage it, it'll help you take care of it, it'll help you perhaps put it in its place, but given the right environment and opportunity, it all comes out all over again. Why? Because I didn't get rid of it. It's still in there. There's only one thing that can get rid of it which is the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit, once he's moved back into the temple, he has an assignment, and he has a job, and his job is to take you back to your original design as a creative being. His, his, his purpose is taking you back once again so that Father God becomes an experiential reality in your life. Not just a God who lives out there somewhere. Not even a God who just lives in the temple. But a God who has an interest and an investment and an influence in my everyday life. From the temple, he's wanting to take the things of him and introduce them to our life. But in order for him to do that, he says, you're going to have to die. You're going to have to die. The reason you have to die is this. You can't fix or change fear. Fear is what it is. You can't change fear and make adaptations and make changes and morph it into something called faith. It doesn't happen. You can't take insecurity and say, you know what, let's do something with insecurity so what we can do is we can morph it into something called confidence. Fear, insecurity, lack, everything that is defined by that which is not the nature of God has come to steal, kill, and destroy from you. Understand what's inside of you and living inside of your soulish realm. And it's easy to do because anything that is stealing, killing, or destroying in your life is not of God. Everything that is good comes from Him. Everything that is life comes from Him. Everything that is wholesome comes from Him. Everything that moves us and expands our life and makes it richer and fuller and a blessing. He sits and says, that's my nature being evidenced. It's likeness being expressed. But in order to do that, I've got to put some stuff to death. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world. We think of being conformed to the world as do not be conformed to the environment in which I find myself. Because we think of world in terms of the world. 
What it's talking about in the world, it's talking about the world system. Understand this, there are two natures. There is the nature of God and there is the nature of Satan. There is light and there is darkness. There is blessing, there is life, there is light, and there is every form of goodness. And there is stealing, killing, and destroying. There are two natures. And the fruit of each one of those natures is going to manifest itself. The thing about it is, when God looks at our soul, what he's saying is, is what is born and is what is conceived inside of who you are, of me. Or isn't it? You see, when we talk about being not conformed to this world, what he's saying is this. Any time something comes from darkness or from Satan and is conceived on the inside of who you are, it is not of him. It is part of the other kingdom. He's saying, don't be conformed to that. That's evident in the world in which we find ourselves. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation, there's meta, it's, met, it's like metamorphosis. Do you know what metamorphosis is? Metamorphosis is when you have a little crawly worm, whatever it is. That thing. It's a caterpillar. It's a caterpillar. But a caterpillar is always a caterpillar. You can dress it up. You can use pens and color it in. You can do whatever you like. But a caterpillar is a caterpillar. A caterpillar doesn't change. A caterpillar, in order to release a butterfly, has to come to the place where it's prepared to say, you know what, the caterpillar has to die. Because as a result of the death of the caterpillar, something new can be born. It's the same as the things that are alive on the inside of us that were not or that are not of his nature. He's not going to change something that's not of his nature because he looks at it and he says, that's not mine. I'm not laying claim to it. I've given you responsibility for your life. What do you want to do with it? And there is a choice that we have to make to sit and say, am I prepared to take that to the cross and am I prepared to put it to death so that what I can do is let go of that and I can grab hold of what he wants to birth inside of me. It's the only way to do things. That's where Christianity becomes so powerful because it's so pragmatic. God wants to have a a part of our lives God is more concerned about nature than behavior. We always want to have a look at this, that, and And I'm not saying your behavior isn't important. Your behavior should be more important to you than to anybody else. Because it's giving you an indication about the fruit that's in your life. And the fruit that's in your life comes from something which has been conceived inside of you. So if the words that you are speaking are not edifying and uplifting, if they're not good and they're not wholesome, maybe there's a place to sit and say, what is it that's been conceived in me that's not of him? Because everything that I'm speaking is stealing, killing, and destroying something in somebody else's life. If you're doing behaviors that are not nice, that create division and fraction, Maybe have a look. Where does it come from? 
What nature has been conceived inside of me? What is it that's been conceived on the inside of me because it's producing fruit? But we have a good God. And the good God says, you know what? Put it to death. Don't try and change it. That's the problem with people. We want to try and change our behaviors. We want to try and change the way we speak. It's nothing but fruit. You see, the thing about it is, he was always introducing us, and what the Holy Spirit wants us to recognize is that he is in us, and we are to be in him. That's what it is. The whole point about talking about he is the vine and I am the branches is that I am in him and he is in me. What it's saying is the the branch is always accepting from the vine the life and the nature of the vine and allowing it to take root inside of itself so it produces fruit. At a practical level, this is where it begins to influence our lives. We know him because what ends up happening is we experience him. I had a verse for you I wanted to tell you about. It was um, Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. If I can find it somewhere. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Should I tell you what that really means? Blessed are those who are born again of the spirit for they shall see God. You know what it's saying? God loves death. God is so keen on you getting yourself born again. Not only letting him move into the temple and and retaking up and regaining his place in the temple, but he wants us to move into a space where we begin to recognize what it is that he's born in us, in our soulish realm. When what is conceived of him begins to take root and grow in my life, it starts to produce fruit. And what ends up happening is I change not because I'm trying to make adaptations or changes, but because the nature that's been birthed on the inside of me is growing and it's having influence and it's having effect and it's making changes to who I am. And when it begins to manifest in my life and I live from a place of compassion and love and understanding... When I'm able to put deposits into people's lives that are meaningful, that are uplifting and growing them. When I'm able to have the confidence to step into some invitations that he gives to me that I couldn't do before, I'm beginning to recognize something. I see God in me. It's not about me. I didn't do it. I couldn't change it. I couldn't do it. And so I recognize my dependence on him. So what is the implication? The implication is this. After my sip. Your Christianity is not about what you know. Your Christianity is about the dependence that we build on the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus said when he spoke to his disciples, he said, you've been with me for three years. You've seen the supernatural. You've seen the miraculous. You've heard all of my teachings. If there's anybody who knows all of that stuff, it's you. But you know what? It's more expedient for you that I go away. Who would have said that Jesus was sitting there saying, it's better that I leave? I will, Rafa. Thank you for asking. Rafa's leading me here. 
But it's more expedient for you that I go away. Why? Because transformation is an internal work. It's not an external work. Jesus was saying, it doesn't matter how much I teach you. I can't transform you. It doesn't matter how much you've seen. I can't take that and make it a part of who you are. I need the Holy Spirit to come. Because it is solely the work of the Holy Spirit, which takes the things of me and imparts them to you. It's solely the work of the Holy Spirit who says, let's put it to death because I've got something new to birth in your life. As we move forward, it's important to get into Scripture. I'm not saying that it isn't. But what I am saying is this. If you get into the Scripture without the Holy Spirit, you can end up in trouble. Because you'll build up a whole bunch of knowledge, but knowledge will never change what's inside. The whole invitation and the whole exercise of spirituality, the whole point of Jesus coming was to introduce us to the opportunity to once again step into relationship with God in a meaningful, practical, tangible, and experiential way. God is supposed to be a vital part and a vital entity in our lives. Not something that we are aware of up there, but something that's living and breathing and transforming and changing and birthing and taking his nature and taking who he is and birthing on the inside of me because I'm living differently. I'm a different person today. Not because of me, but because of him. I see life differently. I used to be so unhappy with who I am and I didn't like what used to exist in there and I didn't like the possibilities and I couldn't see opportunities. Be aware of self. Self is not your savior. Self-confidence is not going to get you anywhere. Self-ability is not going to get you anywhere when it comes to changing the things of the heart. You are not your own savior. You can manage yourself. We live in a day and an age. It's all about humanism and it's all about who you are. Let me tell you something. There is a place for who you are, but the place for who you are is discovered in who he is. When we begin to understand what it is to live from image so that I can reflect his likeness, I'm going to encounter some stuff that's going to be mushy and ugly and dirty and smelly. And sometimes my life feels like I'm wandering through the trash. And you know why? Because he's sitting saying, I showed you, you got to kill it. You can keep, you do what you can in the trash to change it. Or do you want to step out of the trash? Rafa, get get out of the trash, Rafa. (laughs) I can't change who I am without him. And the whole purpose for how you, why you were created was so that the two of you could live in partnership and I could experience life of a superior nature. It's only that which is born of God which overcomes the world. I can't do it in myself. I wanted to bring you to this point, and the reason that I've left communion until the end is because I've asked Sally to come up, and she's going to do an exercise in us, because I want you to know, each of us has still got some areas in our life that are a little bit smelly and trashy. Except Rafa. Rafa, I think Rafa's out of the trash. Ah! The point is this. In that space, I don't want you to leave here today just having an idea about stuff. I want you to encounter it. And I've asked Sally to come up here, and so she's going to take us through um, 
She's going to do, um, what are you doing with us? Communion. She's going to do communion with us. But the point about this communion is I want you to get that she's going to take you on a journey of exploration and transformation. Okay, that's all I have to say. Okay, we're going to take communion today and we're going to appropriate the cross because Pastor Gavin has just told you how powerful transformation really is. And a lot of times we come and take communion and we don't expect anything to happen. And that's religious. Okay? So I want you to expect something so miraculous to happen because the cross is powerful. It can transform your life. But you know, life happens. And we pick up all of, the, all the, all of our stuff, our garbage. And, um, and the reasons why we do, because we're hurt, we get angry, we try to control things, because we're not coming to the cross to take care of it. We're trying, as Pastor Gavin said, we're trying to fix ourselves. Let me tell you, we love control. We think that we can do it ourselves, and we can't. And so lies begin to develop within us a belief system that I have to fix myself. I have to change myself. I don't trust because someone said this or someone hurt me here, someone violated me, and I don't trust. And what we do is we transfer that over onto God, and then we don't trust God. Or we, as Pastor Gavin said, we have image problems where we think that we have to control everything, we have to fix everything, we have to do everything, we have to perform, we have to please, we have to, all these things. Because we're believing inside of us, we have a belief system that doesn't have truth. And so this morning, I want us to come. And because Jesus wants us to come, because there is something that he wants to impart to you this morning that will bring transformation. But what I want you to do is I want you to take the bread, okay? Just take the bread. And we're going to ask, we're going to ask Father God, what lie Am I believing about myself, about him? Because we do. We transfer our belief system over to God. And so we're wanting to know some truth here. So we're going to ask him. And you say, okay, will I really hear 
Yeah, you will. Because he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Okay? And it will be the first thing that that comes to you. It is, he speaks to us in our heart, not our head. So I want you to just drop down into your heart where you have a beautiful, holy imagination. You have, um, he, he, you hear him also with your feelings and a sensing. And so if I were to say to you the word eagle, what would you imagine? See, so you do have a holy imagination where you can hear him. And I know some of you really want to be closer to him. You want more intimacy with him. You want what Pastor Gavin is, has been saying. You want that, that dynamic life, that transformation life. But they're blocks and they're walls. And so this morning, we're going to challenge your belief system. Okay? So I want you to repeat after me. Say, Father God, what lie am I believing about you, myself, or my situation? All right. Just going to go right to your heart and here. It'll be the first thing that comes to you. Don't go looking up in your head. Just stay right in your heart. Okay. Now ask him what the truth is about that lie that you're believing. He wants to give you a truth. A truth only he can give you. So we're going to take the bread. And we thank you, Jesus, for this bread that represents your body, your broken body that was broken for us. We thank you, that as we eat it, that the lie in my life about you or myself is broken in Jesus' name. And I thank you that as we eat, that you impart that truth that you want us to have. And we thank you that we receive it, body, soul, and spirit. We receive that truth. 
We thank you that you are the way maker. We thank you that you are the living truth that resides inside of us. I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Now we're going to ask him another question. So repeat after me. Father God, who do I need to forgive for imparting this lie about you or myself? Who do I need to forgive? Be the first thing that comes to you. So we take the cup. We take the cup. And Jesus, as we drink the cup in remembrance of you, We choose to forgive. We choose to forgive and release that person from any harm they have done to us and any judgment. We remove any judgment and we release forgiveness. Thank you that this cup, this cup is the forgiveness of sin that flows deep, that is so rich and so beautiful. We thank you for this communion. Jesus, we thank you for healing and restoration healing, and wholeness. I thank you that you are present here with us. We thank you. We thank you for who you are and who you want to be in us and through us. And we thank you for today that there is, you are birthing something new in us today. And we give you thanks now in Jesus' name.